When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hoop ballers. Let's talk about your balls. Yep, your balls and the area around them. Let's talk about manscaped.com. Go there and use promo code hoopball20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Use the promo code and go check out all the tools they have of trimming the hedges and taking care of your lawn. Like the Lawn Mower 3.0 with a built-in LED light to help you get into those dark thigh crevices on the inner parts. Also, the Gooch. It is hard to get to the Gooch if you can't see it. So use the LED light with the anti-tugless technology on the Razor. Full, long battery life. Then... Check out the Weed Whacker. Bring that out of the shed. Use it on your shrubs. Cut down what you need down to bare minimum if you need to. It's got a nice anti-tugless technology just like the Lawnmower 3.0. It's also got a lithium battery. And best news of all, these things are waterproof. So that way you can do it in the shower and take care of business in the cleanest way possible. Hoopball20 is the promo code that's going to get you free shipping as well as 20% off. I recommend using it. I recommend getting the complete care kit with your free shipping and your 20% off. Spend a little extra, get a lot more. There's a good care kit there for us gentlemen. Face scrub, shampoo, ball treatment, and the area that surrounds our balls. I believe there's even a pair of underwear in there for our balls. So yeah. That's going to conclude the talk about our balls. Now let's talk about bets. MyBookie.ag is where all the hoop ballers take care of their winnings and where we place all of our wagers that we post in our article in the wager pass as well as our free plays and our Discord chats. Yes, MyBookie.ag. Use promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. Let them know that we sent you. Hell, specifically type in my name. I want them to know. But most importantly, you got to let them know what podcast that is. And it is Today in Sports Betting. You let them know that we sent you. And then we, as a family, get to grow. And then we get to set you up to reap more benefits. And that is what's important to us because we are here to help you win money. And that is why we recommend my bookie. Their slogan is bet, win, get paid. And it's quite simply that easy. Use Bitcoin to get going. That's a high recommendation of VM Center at Vince Miracle, our guy. It's a recommendation of me. It's so easy. Dan Bespris, the podfather, Aaron Bruski, the godfather, they get in there, they get going with Bitcoin, they get their money in and out, and it's easy peasy. Hootball's the promo code. Use that. Let them know that we sent you. MyBookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid. Now, 
As a podcast, we have your balls and your bets covered. And without further ado, we have today in sports betting. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome back to another episode and another edition of Today in Sports Betting. I am your host, Devin Ellington. We're at D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter. You can find the rest of the team and the rest of the news in regards to what we got going on here in Hoopball over at Hoopball Gaming on Twitter or at Hoopball Tweets. Hoop-ball.com is probably the best place to start, though, if you haven't been there yet. Make sure to go get involved in some of the forums, some of the chat rooms. Wonderful fantasy basketball news being turned currently. Articles. We got a fantasy football guru right now breaking down all NFL teams. Football is king, and football's right around the corner. Don't forget the show's sponsors manscape.com and mybookie.ag you'll hear me give a little breakdown of these two fine individual entities in a recorded segment before the show today's show is going to feature a friend of the show and before we do that i will be breaking down the mlb card we actually have one but of course As soon as I put a wager pass play on this Twins-Tigers game, it was postponed. (laughs) Um, I did have a play on that. I was going to go with Minnesota minus 120. Their team total was enticing. Probably not as much as it would be in a full game because it was seven innings. But, um, yeah, so nonetheless, we got more MLB to talk about. Probably cool the Jets on the college football previews on today. Next week is going to be phenomenal. Really excited to have Daniel Cohen of the AUDL, American Ultimate Disc League, back on the show to talk week seven matches and some pivotal playoff spots. He gives some predictions out. Think we'll enjoy that. Think you'll enjoy uh, some of the content and the insight there. We talk some players and all that good stuff. Uh, Really excited to get some disc action tonight this weekend's really nice really nice we got nba finals ultimate we got the british open we got mlb back so yeah welcome back welcome back new listeners welcome in and thank you old listeners welcome in and thank you don't forget to leave those five star or one star reviews if you think it's worth it um, over on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a one-star review, you got to tell me why. That's the rule. And uh, five-star review, go ahead and uh, screenshot it. Send it to me at D-A-L-E-007. And we'll see about hooking you up with something. A little something, something. Not we'll see, but I mean, do it. 
the three o'clock baseball game, which we'll have a little bit of overlay in on this show. Um, not something I'm interested in. Marlins, Phillies. I've got both teams on my do not bet list. So staying away from it. And uh, probably going to spend some time here at the beginning of the breakdowns to talk about the games that um, I'm really not interested in so we can get them out of the way. Because that'll make it easier. We'll just kind of get the low-hanging fruit and uh, go from there. So like I said, Miami, Philly, 305, 605, there's a doubleheader. Really not interested. Um, Dodgers in Colorado. You know, look, I'm not it, – it's the first game back after Colorado hosting the All-Star game, All-Star break. I'm not sure. I mean, there's no, like, stat or anything that goes into that or narrative, really, but it's just All-Star hangover. Um, Dodgers have a lot of guys in the All-Star game, obviously, and festivities. So I'm going to leave that one off my radar. I've got a lot of stuff on my radar Oakland, Cleveland, I've got a slight lean over eight, and that's the 840 game. San Fran, St. Louis, um, Gosman, Wainwright on the mound for the Cardinals. Look, I'm not uh, particularly fond of this one. Houston and Chicago, just because the baseball fan in me wants to take this one in. Got Lance McCullers and Dylan Cease on the mound. Uh, under nine is a look that I might take on that one, but I've not done really well on Houston totals. And I just want to enjoy this game as a baseball fan. I know it's a cop out, but whatever, Texas, Toronto, I'm trying to find an angle on this one. I'm not saying that I'm purely disinterested, but I am looking to try to find something in this one. Jordan Lyles on the mound, Robbie Ray, the lefty, Texas struggles against lefties. So I might look at maybe a Toronto first five Texas team total under, their team total is three and a half, which, I mean, that's pretty dang low. Um, over five and a half team total for Toronto is getting lots of love. Minus 115 shade. Yeah, there's no value in Toronto in the first five. Minus 275 money line, minus 180 on the run line. So, no true value in this game for me. The way the lines are set. I would love to back Toronto some way, but kind of hard to. So the games that I'm interested in, most of them starting at 6.05. I've got some stuff in the wager pass, so I can't give away too, too much. San Diego, Washington, this is one of them. What I will say is I really like the fact that Chris Paddock and Eric Fetty are on the mound for one specific reason. There's a slight six-mile-per-hour wind blowing out. Chris Paddock, the righty. Fetty, the righty. Fetty's gotten his ERA under five, which is uh, shocking. I think it inflates after this game. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. San Diego getting 66% of the money. 
63% of the bet percentage. And look, San Diego minus 130. Um, I know Chris Paddock's on the mound, and he's been crappy, but San Diego's got the overall better offense. Run line's plus 115 for the Padres. But me speaking, San Diego, Washington, I haven't had too much success as a better or a handicapper on them individually as teams. Starling Castro was just put on the administrative leave list. So look for that to maybe affect Washington because he was actually hitting really, really well against righties this year. Um, One of their better hitters against righties. And now you're going to have Gerardo Parra or like, you know, a different player in there. This Berea kid. Hits 167 under the Mendoza line. Victor Robles hits 222. Of course, Juan Soto over 300, the only batter. Uh, actually, as Drupal Escobar is at an even 300 against righties. And as far as the Padres go, they pretty much are, you know, they're a balanced hitting team. They get a slight, slight upgrade with guys like Machado, Myers, and Pham against righties. But long story short, I don't trust either pitcher. So that's how I'm looking at this one. Eric Fetty Wap. I'm surprised his ERA is not 17.38. New York Mets, Pittsburgh. Uh, look, Chad Cole's pretty terrible. He's like probably the worst first inning pitcher in the majors. So if you want to look at a first inning, yes, to have a run scored, like that, that's a pretty fun little side bet to have. Under his strikeout total would be something that I'd be uh, interested in. I'm not exactly sure what it's at right now. Let me try to find it. Five and a half. Oh, yeah, definitely. At minus 130. And then you look, I mean, Pitts, don't get me wrong, Pittsburgh's getting a crap ton of love. According to the Action Network, they got a B minus grade at this plus 140 home underdog number, thinking it should be closer to plus 117, is what they're saying. But you look at the money, the bet percentage, Mets getting 84% of the bets, 69 AO percent of the money. And Pittsburgh is just bad at home. Granted, Cole has been a bit better at home. I was looking at his road and away splits. Significantly better. But fact of the matter remains, he is bottom percentile in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. I think I still have his page up right here. Yeah, I do. Cool. So over the course of the season, he is... 13th percentile for a dark blue circle uh, in walk percentage. So he walks a lot of guys. He is like probably the worst pitcher uh, for chase rate. 18th percentile for K percentage. Very, very low. Expected Woba, expected ERA low. So look for some guys to perhaps get to him tonight. The Mets, I think we're going to see a resurgent offense from them. Pete Alonso defending his Derby title, huge confidence boost there. 
Then you got guys like Nemo in there that are just, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they, they do really well in droves. Like they, they just cluster together their productivity. And I think we're going to see a spurt from him. Conforto's back. Dom Smith is starting to get sharp. Uh, Lindor's got to get all the way going at some point. So really looking for that to perhaps take place tonight. J.D. Davis, once they get him back healthy from that hand sprain, will be huge. Pete Alonzo, uh, Jeff McNeil. I mean, look, this lineup is loaded. So look for the Mets to start surging. If you look at Chad Cole and his most recent starts, he did something he doesn't do very often. He went two starts where he gave up just one earned run. Three starts of his last four, I'm sorry. Just one earned run. Um, That's his season low. He's done it four times this year, but three in his last four. So look for the law of average to pan out and average out And I think the all-star break might have cooled his momentum a little bit. <laughs> Pun intended. See what I did there? Because his last name is Cole. Cool. Cool. All right. Cool. Anyways. Um, yeah. So don't really trust the Mets all the way through this game, but I do have a play in the wager pass. And uh, just for balance sake and to give a free play out in this game, since I spent so much time talking about it, and I'm not going to tell you what my premium play is, Chad Cole under five strikeouts. Um, He has hit five strikeouts on the head, let's see, three times this year. He's gone under a lot. He's gone over a couple of times, three times. But he's not like a great strikeout pitcher. Like I said, bottom 18th percentile of K percentage. And then he doesn't get people to chase. He actually has a high whiff percentage, which is strange. No fastball spin. He's got nasty velocity, though, and his curveball spin is all right. But look, strikeouts, probably not going to happen too much against this Mets team. Um, I want to see something here. I'll pull up one last little stat, and then we'll move on. We'll see what what this team, uh, the Mets, do as a team in regards to strikeouts per Game, strikeout percentage. Um, mm, okay. Mets are actually 24.4%, um, which is 21st worst or best. I don't know how you want to look at it, but they're in the bottom, uh, you know, part of the league. Strikeout percentage per game. Now, their last three leading up to all-star break, they averaged 16.5%, and then their last game was – uh, 13.2%. So they're st- I, th- I think they're starting to figure it out. So last year they were 22.1%, still pretty high, but I look for the um, number to kind of pan out, even out a little bit. Let's see how many strikeouts per game they get as a team. Because percentage and then the actual number, you know, is it can be skewed a little bit. 
and they are actually 13th in the league in strikeouts per game, 8.61. So that means Cole would have to get five of those and then the bullpen come in and get like three or four. So, I, you know, look, I don't think he gets five. So under five strikeouts, I think he gets roughed up really, really, really big time. So moving on. Boston, New York. Um, their line's moving. Boston's is. Uh, they're now to even money. I grabbed them at plus 110. This will make it in the wager pass, so I'll give a freebie out in that regard. 605. Look, I hate batting, uh, betting for, you know, and supporting Eduardo Rodriguez. This just feels really weird. But look, the fact of the matter is... The Yankees don't hit lefties. And Aaron Judge, the only guy that does hit lefties, just got put on uh, COVID protocol. Gio Urshela, Kyle Higashioka also. So they got to throw guys out there like LeCastro that has a 122 average against lefties. And Brett Gardner, 163. Rognando Dor 238. 239 for Gary Sanchez. Look, look, this offense is going to struggle. I know it's Erod, but he's got to have a couple good starts in him. The Red Sox against lefties significantly better. They got multiple guys over 300. Um, upper hand here for sure. If anything, look at you know Red Sox team total over. It's four and a half. I don't trust Montgomery. He's been having decent starts lately, but. Let me look at some of his stuff a little closer, and then we can just move on from this game. Long story short, I like the Red Sox side. They, I think, will have some success. I think the Yankees will struggle. And they're expecting – expected slugging is just ridiculous as a team. Their whole team's almost bright red on ba- uh, baseball savant. Exit velocity is crazy. They hit the ball hard. Let's look and see. Okay, so Jordan Montgomery as a pitcher actually rates really well for his exit velocity, but his three biggest things, expected WOBA over 300, expecting batting average about 245, expecting slugging over 400. Red Sox do all that stuff really well. And I still don't get it because Eduardo Rodriguez always just seems terrible to me, but his whole pitching line is red you know he's good is in regards to baseball savant and i think he's going to catch a struggling yankees offense that's gutted right now they're the first team to really be affected by the covid stuff and um yeah i mean this is a, a chance for the red Sox to pad their division lead and get going early right off the bat um in the second half of the season so if we look at what Montgomery throws, he throws changeup 24.3, or I'm sorry, 24.4% of the time, curve 23.3, sinker 22.7. So if we look and see what pitches the Red Sox hit really well, um, it'd be interesting to see how they do as a team on those numbers. 
I could go through batter to batter and see, but the thing is they have a low whiff percentage as a team. I don't think Montgomery is going to be fooling anyone. And one last note, let's check his home and road splits. I want to see how he does at home. But under five and a half in the first five is getting heavy shade of minus 125. I think there's some value in that. Um, and that's something that I'll be playing, I believe, at least as on a personal sense, perhaps maybe even uh, in the wager pass, but I'm not sure on that yet. I want to see these lineups come out, which a lot of that should be starting to happen. Um, let's see. Yeah, no, Yankees lineup's not out yet. The yeah, walk percentage is good for Montgomery. Whiff percentage, he's in the 62nd percentile of the league. Chase rate, 82 percentile, right there in the middle at K percentage. But teams, like I said, they do barrel him up. He does not have good fastball velocity, he's not good on his curveball spin and his average exit velocity he's pretty good at. So if he can keep hard hit percentage and velocity down, then he can definitely tame this lineup. But there are so many batters um, on the Red Sox team that A, are right-handed, and Montgomery has a 4.86 ERA against righties uh, and a 1.36 whip on top of nine home runs given up versus two against lefties, 38 earned runs, and uh, – He's well, he's seen 302 righties and 86 lefties, so we can't really use that. Um, home games, he's actually decent at Yankee Stadium 2.96 ERA, eight games, two and two record, 182 batters face, 38 hits, 17 runs, 15 earned, four homers, so three less than on the road, six less walks, one more strikeout. He's got two less innings pitched at home, but he's also got 24 less batters faced at home. So maybe the obscurity in his numbers there could be that he hasn't seen as many. And then um, bases loaded. The Red Sox load the bases a lot as a team, I noticed. And Jordan Montgomery has a 40 and a half ERA and 1.1 innings pitch, four batters faced when he's got the bases loaded, six runs, six earned. So, if the bases get loaded against them early, that could be huge. Um, So, yeah, let's move on from this game. I think I've broken it down enough. You kind of get the drift. And Montgomery was announced late as the starter, by the way. So, um, I noticed that always tends to have an effect on guys. Like I said, I'm not really key or keen on backing Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez, but maybe he gets one here. And uh, he he does something good for us. Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Hauser was announced late as the starter. Molly, Tyler Molly, my guy, helped win that first five bet last time. So I'm going to go back to the well. Cincinnati, first five, minus 115. It's going to make it in the wager pass. I'm giving a couple freebies out. Sorry, Brewski. Sorry, Dan. But Molly, seven and three, 3.68. Now look. The Brewers did have some success against him last time out, but they were on the road. I believe that Molly will be able to make some corrections here. Hauser, rough, rough, rough. And there's some numbers against him that stick out. And now that we're at Great America Ballpark, I think Winker and uh, Castellanos 
can have some really good success. They didn't do what I thought they were going to do. We had a winker dinker shot call uh, last time they played, but uh, didn't end up happening in Milwaukee. But I think it could happen tonight in Cincinnati. Um, so winker on his props, uh, maybe some reds hitters. Let's see. We got hits right here. Winker over a hit and nah, 225 minus 225 juice. And you can build these props. I'm just quickly looking over the half hit mark to see if anyone sticks out. Yeah. You might have to get some value on over one and a halfs. Find those out there. Um, Under strikeouts, Molly's seven and a half. I would look at the under on his. Under four and a half for Hauser. It's tough to tell because Cincinnati is going to be swinging. And uh, as a team, Cincinnati strikeouts 8.87 times per game, but they've averaged 10.67 over their last three, 9.21 strikeouts per game at home, which is higher than they are on the road. So going to be looking to stay away from that, not looking in that regard. But what I do like perhaps, and, uh, let me open it up here, team total for Cincinnati, four and a half. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think they can get to five. So, especially at home. I like to back them at home than I do on, more so on the road. Tampa Bay, Atlanta. I've got a slight lean to uh, backing Charlie Morton. He's got a tough matchup against Michael Walker, who's been doing decent, but he can get roughed up. Uh, now, the offense took a major hit with Ozzy Albies. Uh, that's terrible. Um, but... I think Morton's been making some really good starts lately, so I think it can continue here, getting some revitalization on that arm all-star break. This is his first start for the second half of the season, and I think he can get it done here. Uh, I'm not sure which way I want to back the Braves full game or just full first five uh, right now, so stay tuned on that. Baltimore and Kansas City, the starters were just announced. Uh, Keegan Aiken, Danny Duffy, uh, look, Duffy's a good pitcher to maybe look at backing in the first five. He's been doing really well since he's come back from the IL. And right now, minus 130 for the Royals in the first five. Keegan Aiken's pretty bad. Uh, five and a half is the total for the first five. The Royals usually come on late in games. Uh, my problem is Keegan Aiken's really bad. So I am hoping that my lean on under five and a half in the first five is a good one because, well, hopefully Keegan Aiken can get some more outs than he does normally. The Orioles, they do got sneaky power against lefties and they do fare well in the first five against lefties. But the Royals got a lot of guys at or around 300 against lefties, more veteran hitters. Danny Duffy, obviously a really talented pitcher, veteran arm. So I'm looking for the more veteran club with the better infield defense to maybe get a early start in this one and get a leg up. Um, Baltimore 
bad offensively. Kansas City, not that great. Salvi and Witt, Merrifield went through the all-star routine this week. So weekend, whatever you want to call it. Uh, look for, you know, may- maybe a smidgen of all-star hangover uh, from the Royals and offenses in general. Last game I'm going to talk about because, well, Heaney's on the mound and it's hard not to look at overs when he is. I got over eight and a half. It's already pushed up to nine. This will be a play that I'm making on tally site. I don't think it makes it into the wager pass just because I'm going to have a lot of other stuff. want to save some stuff for the rest of the guys to talk about. So Angels, Seattle playing each other. Chris Flexen on the mound. He's the X factor. I think he could be uh, what makes the under happen. He's a good pitcher, but the A's bullpen being involved, I'm sorry, the Angels uh, bullpen being involved is, you know, always scary. Heaney, lefty, uh, 5.38 ERA, you know, he could give up four runs early. I'm looking for that perhaps to be what happens. Chicago and Arizona, I'm a Cubs fan. That's number like 30, I think, on the season. Um, Look, they're going to start selling. This is a ball club you don't really want to really bet on. Or I I mean, look, these two teams, Chicago and Arizona, they're going to be losing guys left and right here soon. So the feng shui and the chemistry of the ball clubs are probably pretty muffed up right now, to say the least. So... Look to stay away from that right now and just see how the teams start approaching trade deadline. That's going to be a thing to keep an eye on as we move uh, forward with our handicapping. As I mentioned, we were joined, will be joined. Sorry, I've already recorded this segment, so I'm having uh, existential problems here as in regards to timeline structure. But <laughs> for you... It's future sense. Uh, Daniel Cohen at it's Daniel Cohen on Twitter. The lead analyst for the AUDL American ultimate disc league joined me to talk about week seven, some key matchups, players to look out for some stats, some history of the league. Love having him come on. Hopefully, uh, well, he just got off vacation. Otherwise we'd have had him on you know, weekly. And then there's the floods and then whatever. So uh, we hope to have him on weekly to break down the matchups, especially as we get really close to the playoffs. Uh, Playoffs. Sorry, I have to do it every time. That's why I need a soundboard. I need need to uh, invest in one of those. Um, So yes, we talked to Daniel and I just wrapped up the MLB card. So what I'm going to do now is awkwardly segue into my conversation with Daniel Cohen. And for your listening experience, here you are. Now, as promised, Hootballers, we get to talk Ultimate Disc, the AUDL, with friend of the show, returning guest, Daniel Cohen, or it's at Daniel on Twitter, or it's Daniel, I'm sorry, at it's Daniel, I switched some of the words there, it's it's early in the morning, uh, I am stoked 
because Daniel, since being on the show, he's had a wonderful vacation. He's created a new podcast. He's talked with me more and more about this league. We've gotten more and more sample sizes of data. We've got teams starting to separate themselves. Um, teams separating themselves in bad ways. <laughs> Tampa Bay Cannons. Uh, you know, we've got an article or two to talk about from Daniel. Um, his players to watch for this week um, is already out. So we have lots to talk about with the AUDL this week. The Atlantic Division is crammed tight. Um, Manny Eckhart for the Cascades is in a bright spot this week. Ben Lewis. I'm excited to talk about a lot of different aspects in regards to this league. And also welcome back, Daniel. Mr. Cohen, how you doing, boss? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. I'm excited. Yes, absolutely. And then I just want to clarify because I botched the entry there, but it's <laughs> Daniel, correct, on Twitter? It's, it's Daniel Cohen. It's such a hard uh, at name to say, but yeah, it's at it's Daniel Cohen. Yeah, because so there's it two it's in it's. there. It's like, I know. I <laughs> Yeah, it's a struggle to say it. I like it. I like how it looks, but yeah, I don't. It's not easy to to tell people what it is. I, uh, you know, sh- shame on me. I, I got it the first time, but uh, <laughs> you're you know, fine. I'm yeah. still still waiting for this coffee to kick in. We're getting this rolling bright and early for you guys. We're about seven forty in the morning on the Central Time Sphere, and we've got, like I said, Daniel Cohen of the AUDL here, and we're gonna talk. Some standings, some players, ultimately, pun intended, uh, what you want to talk about because you are the guru here for us. And, uh, you know, this is why I wanted to have you on the show and uh, have you back and just kind of update us with what's going on with the league. Um, I've been keeping my eye on it, of course, but, you know, it's always good to get more exposure and more insight. And we are starting to see some guys. You know, the first half of the season is uh, in the books, and we've got some guys that are candidates for first half MVP. We've got some people that have been putting up some ridiculous numbers, and we got some pretty important matchups going into this week with playoff pictures starting to form. So where's a good place for our, for us to start, Daniel? Tonight's games, or what, what do you think? Yeah, we can talk tonight's games. So there are two games tonight. We have Atlanta playing in Philly, the Atlanta Hustle against the Philadelphia Phoenix. And then our DraftKings game this week is the Dallas Roughnecks going to Seattle for the first time this season. They're, they're doing this West Coast road trip up to Seattle, and they'll play at San Jose tomorrow night. So the Dallas-Seattle game will air live on DraftKings YouTube and Twitch channels. So that will be available for free to anyone. Um, and it's pretty. It's a pretty big game for both Dallas and Seattle. I mean, you have Dallas as the team that kind of came into this West Division. So for the first time this season, they moved to the West Division before they played in the South Division. But when Boston joined the league, we did some divisional realignment uh, that moved Dallas and Austin to the West Division. And Dallas was kind of kind of coming in as the favorites. I mean, they have made it to the championship game three of their first four seasons in the league. They won one of them. They have one title. Um, And the one year they didn't make it to the championship 
championship game, they still made it to the semifinals. So they're, they've been a final four team every single year. They've won their division every single year, but they came into the West this year and they're sitting at four and three currently, including two losses to the Austin soul. Um, Austin has kind of been like the little brother to Dallas for most of, most of the time that both those teams have been around. So since 2016 and Dallas took a bunch of Austin players this past off season, like they basically <laughs> chopped off like the top, I don't know, five players from Austin's roster and added them to Dallas, which was already, you know, a championship level team. Um, and, you know, Dallas has just kind of struggled fielding a consistent roster this year. They have kind of, you know, I think maybe seven guys that have played every game for, or maybe five guys that have played every game for them this season, you know, out of a game day roster of 20. So they're, you know, it's, it's the consistency that seems to be catching up to them a little bit. They seem to be maybe getting a little too complacent, relying on their depth uh, a little too much. And yeah, it's kind of come back to bite them. So at four and three right now, they're in third place. They lost last weekend to Austin. Then they beat them the following day. They had a doubleheader, um, which currently gives Austin a two to one tiebreaker over them. So Austin is also four and three and Dallas is in third place. And I, I feel like if they don't win this game against Seattle, or if they, if they kind of split this weekend with Seattle and San Jose and end up at five and four, um, you know, we have Austin going to San Diego and LA this weekend those are two kind of winnable games for them. They beat LA earlier this season. Haven't yet played San Diego, but San Diego hasn't looked exactly dominant despite a four and one record. So, you know, the West is, is wild as always. And I, I think many were expecting Dallas to come in and kind of run the table and be at the top of the division with San Diego, but they're struggling and, and it's kind of, it's kind of crunch time for them. They got their backs against the wall. So I'm super excited for them to go to Seattle First time they played was in Dallas. Seattle went to Dallas a couple of weeks ago, and Dallas pretty handily defeated them. I think it was 24 16. Uh, it was never particularly close, but Seattle has been really, really strong at home this year. I mean, they're 2 and 1 at home, but the one loss came against San Diego in overtime. San Diego is in first place, by the way, in the West. Um, and, Se- and Seattle, they've got one of those home stadiums and one of those home environments that that is definitely favorable to them. And I I think one of the better home crowds in that West division, and they have this defensive line that really feeds off the energy of that crowd and feeds off the energy of each other. They are really strong at, at like, you know, chaining together a bunch of breaks in a row. And basically once they can get that momentum going they're they're a really tough team to stop. So Seattle last time they played at home, they, they pretty, easily beat Austin 28 to 24, which included 10 goals in the fourth quarter. They basically just started rattling off score after score. Uh, And yeah, Austin is a team that's beat Dallas twice. So Seattle, Dallas, it's a very highly anticipated game this weekend and kind of a must win for both teams because Seattle is sitting at two and four right now. They kind of, they kind of got to start stringing together wins in order to stay, you know, relevant in the playoff picture right right and uh seattle two and four like you said on the year two and one at home so their two wins have come at home so Mm -hmm. um very very 
important game for them. And then, like you said, also referencing San Diego, the Growlers being four and one uh, at the top of this West division, which has been wild. Um, San Diego's had a pretty fairly, if I, if memory has or will serve me right, pretty easy schedule for San Diego. I know they've had a couple challenging games in there, uh, but for the most part, they didn't, they've played a couple of the teams that are towards the bottom of the league, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. So they've played LA twice. Um, their one loss came against LA, actually, in their home opener. I feel like the San Diego LA games are so, like, regardless of the roster each year for either team, they always seem to play that rivalry game extremely close. Um, so, yeah, San Diego beat LA by three in the first week, then LA beat them by two in the second week. And yeah, I think the, the next hardest game for San Diego was when Dallas came to town. And that was a rematch of the 2019 semifinal game between San Diego and Dallas. San Diego was at championship weekend for the first time ever. Dallas, of course, uh, a regular at championship weekend. But Dallas beat them, I think, by five in that game. And, and San Diego got revenge this year. They, they won 21 to 20 at home. Um, and then San Diego also traveled up to San Jose and Seattle for a road trip and won both of those games. But like I said, that game against Seattle was really, I mean, it really could have gone either way. It felt like Seattle had the lead for most of that game. San Diego kind of had to rally in the fourth quarter, forced overtime, ended up coming away with a wind with a win. <laughs> wind is on my mind because it was a super <laughs> yeah. windy game. Yeah. Yeah. Not great conditions, very low scoring. Um, and it felt like it was it was favoring Seattle most of the time, but San Diego came through. They've they've pulled out wins when when they've mattered. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see them play Austin this week. I think Austin's a team that has obviously surprised a ton of people this year, and they've yet to play this year. So Austin will go to San Diego. They'll play LA, um, and then later in the season, San Diego will do a, a Texas road trip where they play Dallas and Austin in the same weekend. Ooh, that'll be a tough weekend. Yeah, that will. Especially I, I if Dallas definitely see San Diego dropping those games, or at least one of them. Right. It, uh, I mean, a, a almost definite split, it would seem, um, mm. especially with Dallas starting to kind of round into form here. And I'm, I'm, I've got your um, players to look out for article up in front of me. Mm. And, you know, Ben Lewis has been – really 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 helping out this Dallas team like you said that's had a lack of continuity within the lines and the you know roster and just kind of their rotations so having this veteran defender play on a struggling Dallas D-line uh how huge has Ben Lewis been um for Dallas being in a weird lull currently and then more so in like a roster redefinition phase. Yeah, he's been extremely consistent. Obviously, he's he's been in the lineup first of all, which is <laughs> which is a great first step. He's been in the lineup, been active in all seven of their games this year, and you know, he's just he's that presence you want on defense. He's the guy that's going to get the clutch layout block you know, throws his body around very willingly, but also is just a really strong matchup defender. Uh, he's a big guy and knows he knows the field very well. He's got great field awareness, able to poach off of his guy and, and help out on other matchups as well. 
And yeah, he's just kind of one of those rangy, aggressive defenders that, you know, really, it's really nice to have a guy like that, a consistent guy like that on the D-line, just because, you know, things start going the other team's way. He's the guy that can kind of change momentum with a single play um, and is very willing to throw his body around. So definitely a, a game-changing presence and, and super nice for that Dallas defense to have. Now, who is one guy that you would say Dallas has just vitally needed this year that they haven't really gotten a lot of? Honestly, I would go with Abe Coffin, who ended the 2019 season just on an absolute tear. He had, so he's like their, he was a starting handler for them in 2019, still a starting handler for them this year, Um, meaning he touches the disc a lot. And basically in their playoff run last year, he had this phenomenal, perfect game in the South Division Championship against Raleigh, where he completed like all, you know, somewhere between 40 and 50 passes, maybe 48 throws for like eight assists, um, just an absolutely flawless performance and really looked unstoppable in that game. I think he, he still played extremely well in the semifinal game against San Diego maybe came back down to earth a little bit in the championship game against New York, but overall just had one of the most dominant playoff performances by a handler that we've seen in recent years. And this year, I don't know they They switched this guy, Kaplan Maurer over to the offense. Uh, who's, who's, you know, primarily a D line handler for the past couple of years. And, you know, he's, he's been touching the disc a lot. I feel like Abe Coffin hasn't really, gotten in the same rhythm that we saw from him at the end of 2019. And I think he's also just turning the disc over a little more. So overall, the the Dallas offense doesn't seem to be clicking in the same way it was down the stretch. And I don't know, I feel like Abe Coffin has, has kind of yet to play to his full potential this year, but he's still an extremely skilled player. You still see flashes of what he can do. He's a great give and go guy. Uh, really good at facilitating the offense in that way and and very good at keeping his eyes downfield, uh, looking cross field for those cross field flicks and and hitting open guys regularly. So still a fantastic player. Uh, but I think by, you know, after the 2019 playoffs that we saw from him is maybe disappointing a little bit by our standards. Sure, sure. Well, it's hard to maintain that level of success, but uh, it is. Yes. He uh, <laughs> he needs to be there for him. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, another freak, you know, that I I'm here gonna bring up because well, the team he plays for is five and one, and they're top this tough, tough Atlantic Division. Um, with three one loss teams between the Breeze, the Empire. New York Empire and then the Atlanta Hustle. And then you got the Raleigh Flyers right there at four and two. Uh, and poor Boston, man, being a first year team and they get in this division. And I mean, they started yeah. off pretty smoking hot and exciting. Um, mm-hmm. Just a bit of a gauntlet, it seems, though. And with um, Johnny Malks just being ridiculous for the first half of the AUDL season. Um, you coin him as the first half MVP and, you know, it's hard for me to disagree 
based off of the results of the team, um, the results and the numbers from him, but also just the amount of times that he's just come up absolutely huge for them um, against critical opponents. Yeah, I think it's hard to argue that Johnny Mox is not the first half of the season MVP. He has completed 279 of 284 throws this year, wow. which is a ridiculous 98.2% completion percentage. So, But not only does he just not turn the disc over, if you watch him play, it's not like he's just taking short, easy five-yard throws, dumping it off to handlers. I mean, there's a lot of that in the D.C. offense because they're so possession-based and very small ball heavy. But he airs it out, and he is not afraid to air it out. We saw last week against Atlanta. Atlanta throws a zone at D.C., a zone that they haven't seen before because Atlanta kind of has the signature zone that they've developed over the years, and it was a new look for D.C. And a big thing with the zone in ultimate and in the UDL is is it forces a lot of throws and to break the zone you often have to throw kind of over it or through it you kind of have to like thread the needle a lot oftentimes with with less traditional throws so we saw Malks in that game tossing these like high release flick blades that would just like shoot you know 15 yards to a player just sitting into space in that intermediate area. He'll throw like around the entire defense. He's just got this huge bag of throws that he's not afraid to unleash. And it's just made him a super exciting player to watch. Obviously the numbers back it up as well. He also has 20 assists this year, eight goals. He has just kind of been the consistent piece on the league's best offense. So I highly recommend watching DC. They rematch Atlanta this week, which I'm very excited about because I'm hoping for another phenomenal Johnny Malks display against that zone. Uh, and it's re- I mean, but it's really just that offense as a whole is, is clicking everywhere. Um, they, they really look like the most unstoppable offense in the league, and they're very entertaining. So definitely catch a breeze game when you can. Catch a breeze. yeah and then to round out the Atlantic division um you know New York playing Raleigh uh or I'm sorry um they they New York's gonna have a big game against Boston is what I meant to say um hopefully they can keep their streak going uh man I'm loving these player breakdowns uh we'd love to talk about every single player uh, on every team, but um, you know, we, we definitely got some game breakdowns that we can get into, but I want to talk real quickly, Daniel, you know, I want to talk more about this podcast that you just, you know, started um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. I think it was before your vacation uh, called uh, swing pass. And it is dedicated to the AUDL. And you got a real nice compadre, uh, secondhand man, co-host over there. And uh, why, don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? And uh, let's see if we can't get some of the hoop ballers to go over and listen to it after this episode. 
Yeah, for sure. So yes, if you're looking for more AUDL content, you like listening to AUDL in the podcast format, me and my co-host Adam Ruffner, who is he's probably the guy that's watched more AUDL film than anyone in the world, I would say. Uh, he's been working for the league since 2013 or 2014, and just a super knowledgeable guy, does a ton of video editing for the league. Um, and yeah, we just decided to start a podcast because we were doing so much, so much talking about the league already. Uh, we also have a, a show, AUDL Weekly, that airs on Facebook on Wednesday nights. And kind of through our segment on that, we realized we, we often stay on longer than our segment is, you know, has been recording for. And we'll just talk for like, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and, you know, figured out that we should just record it and frame it as a podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, we've been doing this for a few weeks now. We do about two episodes a week, usually some kind of weekend recap early in the week, followed by a weekend preview of the following week on Thursday or Friday. Um, so, yeah, check it out. It's on all podcast platforms, Swing Pass. Perfect. And you can also see when that show goes up by following Daniel at it's Daniel Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. See, I got it. it. I got you it. Daniel it. slowed it that down that time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I took that second it's out. So beautiful. You spelled out the last name too. Yeah. Hey, the, some people may not understand silent H's, you know, that's so, fair. Yeah. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, one of my favorite movies, probably my favorite movie, the main character's last name is Cohen. So I've got some exposure to that last name. There you go. Yeah. Um, I want to briefly pick your brain cause I'm looking through the schedule for this week and it seems like we've got a lot of games that are featuring teams that could be out of it already. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of teams, maybe just a couple specifically, but there's also some games for some teams that, you know, it's an opportunity for them to A, get right, but B, to maybe get themselves back into contention. One of those, or two, I would say two of those teams in pretty big spots, um, especially since Minnesota's getting a matchup against the Detroit Mechanics, and well, you know. <laughs> yeah, no need to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, Detroit's 0 for on the year, um, 0 and 6. Um, so... Minnesota being in first place um, above rival Chicago Union, which last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about, you know, Chicago's dominance, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, the dominance held in this division by Madison, and then the other two teams, you know, being Chicago and Minnesota, looking to maybe push through there. And we've got a couple of really good games within this central division this weekend, uh, not Detroit and Minnesota, but you know, this Indianapolis and Madison game is important for Madison because Madison sits third at five and three behind, uh, five and one Minnesota and five and two Chicago. And then you've got, um, again, another game with Indianapolis on Sunday going up against Chicago. So some pretty big games with Indianapolis that could maybe serve as a spoiler, do you think the Alley Cats get one of these games against these tough foes, or are they just the sacrificial lamb for the weekend? 
They're not they're not quite the sacrificial lamb. I wouldn't go that far. They're not Detroit, but it does feel like Madison, Chicago, and Minnesota are kind of the top tier, the clear top tier of this division. So I don't see Indy beating Chicago or Madison. They've played each of them twice so far. Indy's played Madison twice. Madison beat them by four each time, once at home, once on the road. Uh, Indy's played Chicago twice, once at home, once on the road, and Chicago won by eight both of those times. So I definitely think Chicago is going to be kind of looking to take out some frustration from their last weekend, which they went 0-2 against Madison and Minnesota. Uh, So they're going to be looking to kind of reestablish themselves. And Madison just, you know, taking on Madison in front of the Madison home crowd, which is the best home crowd in the league. Uh, it's very difficult for opponents. And, you know, even if Madison is kind of struggling offensively, I think their defense and, and just feeding off the energy of that crowd, it's usually enough to, to put them over the edge. So wouldn't worry too much, but I do think Indianapolis, you know, obviously they've only lost by four to Madison in those two games. So like they've stayed competitive most of the time. So obviously Madison has to be careful. Like they can't take the game for granted. Chicago, I'm, I'm definitely less worried about. I think Chicago should continue defeating Indy pretty easily. Um, Madison doesn't have as talented of a team as Chicago, but still I, I would definitely favor the Radicals by a few points in this game. And, and I would be surprised if the Alley Cats won a game this weekend, but it wouldn't be, wouldn't be crazy. Yeah, and it wouldn't be as bad as if their name was the Detroit Mechanics. Yes. Um, <laughs> which are by the way the two alley cats wins this year are against we're, we're against the mechanics oh yeah. man so, so alley cats have yet to beat minnesota chicago or madison but oh, you know yeah. still got some games left you yeah. never know oh that's funny i didn't realize that um yeah so the rest of the games I'll see if any catch your – I mean, they all catch your mind because you love this stuff. I mean, I love this stuff, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Raleigh, Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh kind of down lower, obviously. Raleigh with that high-flying offense being the Flyers. Um, and then also trying to stay in contention in the Atlantic. I think Raleigh comes out focused, and they know not to put Pittsburgh past them or below them. Um, going on the road's always tough. Um so I feel Raleigh handles business just because they understand how important the game is. And not to mention, there are some other important games within the Atlantic division uh, this weekend that if they just handle their business against a lower quality opponent, they could, uh, they could benefit from it. Yeah. Uh, I think Raleigh is <clears throat> definitely a, a really hot team right now. They've won four straight and I think they're both their two losses uh, you know, they started the season 0-2. Both of those were just one-goal losses. Oh, wow. So the Flyers have kind of underratedly been, you know, a top team in this division despite their record. And they just have a ton of depth. They've handled the Cannons very easily the past few weeks. And I, I don't really see Pittsburgh putting up too much of a fight against Raleigh. I, I do feel like Raleigh is kind of not locked into a playoff spot necessarily. I, I do think Philly and Boston could be knocking on the door later this season, but they, they do feel like uh, an elite team and Pittsburgh hasn't yet felt at that level. 
They just yeah. got their first win of the season. Uh, I think it was last week or two weeks ago. Was it they, against Detroit? No, it was, <laughs> it was against Philly uh, for the Pen- Pennsylvania Cup or the Commonwealth Cup, right. I believe they call it. Battle for Pennsylvania. Uh, Philly had beaten them pretty handily at home, I think by eight or nine goals earlier in the season, but then they went to Pittsburgh and lost by three. So Pittsburgh, uh, you know, I don't really see them being super competitive in this division this year, but they do have enough pieces where they, they could kind of change the tides if, you know, one of those top teams slips a bit. And I definitely think Pittsburgh is better at home in front of that crowd. So we'll see how Raleigh travels this week, but I wouldn't be too worried if I was a Flyers fan. Absolutely. Um, We talked pretty much the rest of the Atlantic division matchups this week. Um, We alluded to the Austin and Los Angeles game. Um, We talked the rest of the uh, weekend for San Diego, kind of what they got in store, San Jose as well, and their Dallas matchup um, Saturday, tomorrow. Um, Now this New York Empire and Boston Glory game, I think this is going to be a really, really good game Saturday and obviously a big spot for Boston. You said just, you know, a couple sentences ago that you thought that Boston could be vying for a postseason berth towards the end of the year. How big would this game be if they could beat New York and how big would it be if New York lost a second game after coming off of a loss, um, recently you know this is a very pivotal matchup here in my you know virgin (laughs) experiences in AUDL uh you know quote-unquote handicapper yeah you're you're not wrong at all it would be huge for Boston to win this game I mean New York they lost a couple weeks ago to DC for, it was their first loss since the start of the 2019 season because they went undefeated, perfect season, won the championship in 2019. They were on an 18-game winning streak dating back to the start of 2019, and then D.C. ended that at home. I think they beat them 20-17. to 17. And, you know, a second loss for New York, obviously that, that changes things a ton in the Atlantic because all of a sudden if New York drops to 4-2, and two, you know, you still have Philly at three and four. They're kind of creeping up the standings and Boston really hasn't looked bad in any game so far this season. I mean, they did get blown out by DC, but I attribute that more to DC just being on fire that whole game. I think DC won something like 32 to 20. Mm. Um, But Boston, like they did just lose at home to Philly, uh, but it was a one goal game. You know, we saw them play Atlanta to a one goal game earlier in the season. And they, you know, they have they have enough talent on their team. They're also getting some guys back this week. We didn't see Tanner Halkyard play last week. Mm-hmm. Uh Orion Cable yes, is finally yes. back in the line. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. He hasn't played since since week two. I think he's only played two games this season. Since so, you came on the show and you jinxed, or we jinxed him. I know. We <laughs> talked so highly of him. His name is so good. He's huge. He's a young guy. Uh, so I'm excited to see him back in the lineup. I think they're, they're going to be uh, very appreciative to have him back because, you know, him and Halkyard, Orion Cable is, you know, 6'4", 6'5". Halkyard is 6'3". 
These are two big downfield receivers that can really win a lot of matchups against New York. I mean, New York has their fair share of big guys too, but they're typically more on the offensive side. So it, it should be a battle despite the records. I mean, you have Boston at two and four, New York four and one. It, it's going to be a closer game than those records would indicate. And I think playing in Boston you know, that, that extra level of the, the New York-Boston rivalry, first time they're ever meeting in franchise history, at home in Boston. I could definitely see the glory keeping this game competitive throughout and could come down to the wire. Yeah, yeah. Well, if they can pick up this win this week, that will be huge because next week they get to play Tampa Bay and that will be a little bit easier of a matchup. So if they can compile some positive momentum going – get to 500 in the next two weeks, um, they're going to be sitting in a little bit better position there in that tough Atlantic division. All the teams in this Atlantic division, like towards the, you know, I'd say Boston on a, like we don't have to include Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, but uh, you know, it's those clusters teams there that the six teams that I just referenced to, they, uh, they can't be taking any opponents lightly. Um, from here on out because there's just so much tightness in the standings for the Atlantic division. So, I mean, overlooking a Tampa Bay or a Pittsburgh could be very, very, very dangerous um, if you're D.C., New York, Atlanta, Raleigh, you know, et cetera. Um, So, yeah, yeah, tons of games to be set up for the ending parts of the season. And with, you know, Boston maybe looking to make a move, you know, the Atlanta and New York have to play each other going in uh, week eight, you know. I, like I said, I'm kind of already prefacing next week based off of what we're talking about and playoff forming and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But New York and Atlanta play each other next weekend, and that's probably got – I mean, that's already got to be – game of the week you would think uh i mean it's just the 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 standings are so awesome right now and they're really really tight and if i'm not mistaken we're gonna start getting some canadian action here soon uh looks like next sunday ottawa and montreal will be taking on each other for the first game of the canadian cup yeah yeah so the canadian cup uh due to covid you know is kind of a separate thing this year the Canadian teams aren't participating in the normal AUDL season but they are playing I think it's eight total games each I think they play the other two teams four times each twice at home twice on the road so yeah Canada teams we've been missing them I think Toronto has kind of fielded one of the most consistent teams they're the second most winning team in league history uh, next to the Madison Radicals both teams have over 90 wins they're approaching that 100 win mark and Toronto won a title in 2013 also an undefeated season and Montreal Ottawa obviously they're they're still hanging around and and have a ton of talented players so yeah I'm excited to get some Canadian games we uh we've been due we've been due for some for sure absolutely I'm excited to get some exposure to it because I want to see you know because I've not seen you know the Canadian team since my yeah fandom of the AUDL started and uh, right. you know this is going to be interesting to kind of see how the teams uh, uh, what, what, you know how they what am I trying to say 
see the if there's like order. a philosophy difference or like oh, sure, if, sure. It, like style of play, you know? Um, yeah. You know, because like in the NBA, Toronto, you know, they've got their very specific playing style um, compared to the rest of the NBA. So it's like um, I was interested to see how it went with Ultimate. Um, and also I can't get over uh, Montreal's logo because every time I look over at it or it's like a quick glance, it looks like the Thundercats uh, emblem and <laughs> they might be my new favorite team just because of that. So they do have a really good logo. <laughs> I also like it in the different forms. They got like a shield. They got just the, the circle with the bird. Head. Uh-huh. I think it's a bird head. Um, yeah, Montreal is a fun team I, in general. I feel like these Canadian teams could, they kind of always can play each other close regardless of how they're doing in any given year. Generally the pecking order has been, Toronto at the top, followed by Montreal, followed by Ottawa at the bottom. But like in 2019, I think Ottawa lost on a buzzer beater to Toronto. We saw Ottawa beat DC in 2019 too. So all these teams have some fight in them. I think generally it's a, it's probably maybe at least with Ottawa and Montreal, they tend to play a slightly faster pace. Uh, you see a few more hucks go up that you might not see as often from us teams um toronto plays a very a very solid fundamental just really really sound game uh, i think they always have a ton of pieces a ton of veterans some really good rising stars on each of these teams um so they're definitely going to be interesting to watch i think you know you'll you'll get a feel for how they'll they'll fit into the season heading into 2022 based on these games that they play this year Yes, absolutely. More teams for more ultimate disc in 2020. Love it. Sign me up. I mean, you know, <laughs> maybe we get another expansion team before 2022 too. I don't maybe. Know. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we just get more teams popping up left and right. And uh, <laughs> hey, Oklahoma City needs a team. I'll tell you that. That's for dang That's sure. True. I need to okay. start whipping together some Oklahoma City business owners and corporations. And uh, I need to let them know what's up with the ultimate. So could you could you run the team? Could I? Oh, yeah. uh, you know, um, I would do my best. <laughs> I would be open to the idea. You know, I I don't think I have any uh, franchise running experience in the AUDL on my resume yet. So I mean, it'd be a good uh, good addition. That's for yeah. Sure. Hey, if you have the passion, which you are definitely developing, uh, you know, you never know. I think the league is definitely looking to expand, you know, from now until 2030, maybe add a few more teams. Still definitely kind of in the infancy. It still feels very much like a startup league. Uh, We're now in season 10. Uh, 2012 was the inaugural season. But yeah, we've seen... You know, several teams come and go over the years, but I feel like it's it's a pretty solid 22 teams that are in the league currently. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, expansion, definitely a possibility. Well, I will say, you know, I recently moved out of Kansas City. Kansas City had a very huge, you know, uh, Frisbee golf, you know, just ultimate in general, yeah. just scene. Um, very huge, a lot of pro tour. And I think we might have talked off camera about this, but... A lot of pro ultimate, uh, you know, more so frisbee golf 
uh, than anything, but a lot of pro courses there and people Mm -hmm. love disc in Kansas city and Oklahoma city actually has a couple pro courses down here too. So, and then, like I told you, uh, back in high school in Oklahoma, we were playing disc, uh, you know, for, for Jim and, uh, spending a lot of time on it. So I think subliminally and subconsciously, a lot of us Oklahomans just got ultimate disc, just kind of right there planted, and uh, kind of like programmed into our synapses a little bit. So I love it. Uh, yeah. I think uh, some Midwest love is, you know, let's send it on down from Chicago, down through the uh, rest of the center of the America, and uh, more discs. I mean, hey, yeah, the <laughs> C- Central Division only has five teams right now. There so we got to balance things out eventually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Atlantic is huge. We, we need some more teams <laughs> in the Central. It is loaded this year. Yes. So, I like it. Um, Daniel, I really appreciate you making some time and coming back on post-vacation. Um, really glad I got to break down some of these players and these matchups for this week. We got a really exciting one, two, two good ones tonight. Uh, again, you can watch the Dallas and Seattle game on DraftKings' channels on YouTube, Twitch. Um, also look for it on the AUDL Twitter page. I'm sure Daniel will be putting some stuff out. Don't forget to check out the Swing Pass podcast. That's another one that I almost tripped up on, man. Wow. You're just, you nailed uh, it, though. That was yeah. great. Yeah, I had to. We're just trying. We're trying to trip you up with <laughs> enough, enough what, words and what, terms. What are those? Uh, Tongue twisters, tongue twisters. Yes, I can't believe I almost exactly. forgot that word or that <laughs> phrase. Um, Daniel, you know, this is about you here. You know, you're the guest. So why don't you uh, share with us, you know, if you've got something up your sleeve that'll be coming out this weekend, one last hot take, just anything in general that Mr. Cohen wants to get out there for the hoopball listeners. Okay, I'll uh, I'll throw out a prediction for. Should I give my championship weekend prediction? Ooh. You want me to pick a winner of every of every division? Let's okay. go with that. Yeah, then Let's we can it. have you back on the show, and we can kind of track or we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we'll see. Like I'll go on record. I will go on record that from the Central Division, we're going to see Chicago okay. coming out of that division. It'll be a Chicago Minnesota playoff game. I don't know where it'll be played. Could be played in Chicago. Could be played in Minnesota. Depends on who gets the one seed. And so Chicago from the Central. We're going to take D.C. and New York coming out of the Atlantic. D.C. is going to have home field advantage at championship weekend this year. Championship weekend, by the way, is the AUDL's Final Four equivalent. Uh, It's in a different host city every year. And this year it is in D.C., Oh, wow. DC is going to be playing in front of that home crowd at championship weekend. They could come in as the favorites easily. So you got DC, New York, Chicago. And from the West, I am going to take Dallas (laughs) to pull off a late run in the season into the playoffs. They're going to have to go to San Diego is my guess. I think San Diego gets the one seed in that division. Dallas gets a two seed, but I think Dallas is going to turn it on at the right time, start putting together more consistent rosters to really peak at the right time this season. 
So Chicago, DC, New York, Dallas, final four. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, good <laughs> predictions, always enjoyable and always appreciated. Uh, absolutely. Looking forward to seeing how the season plays out the rest of the way. We've got about five weeks left up to week 12. So we, uh, we are in store for some high, fast-paced action, to say the least. Well, Daniel, I really appreciate it again, man. And don't forget, listeners, he is at It's Daniel Cohen on Twitter. Remember, there's a silent yes. H in there. C-O-H-E-N. Cohen, like two, two chickens trying to exist. Exactly. Yeah, that, Thanks it, so much for having me on, Devin. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. Well, I'm already looking forward to the next one and glad that you had a great vacation. Glad that you get to come home to some awesome disc this weekend. And uh, here's to a very, very safe day for you, pal. And uh, cheers. And we'll see you around on the next one. All right, bud. Appreciate it. Sounds good. See you all next right. time. All right. And hoop ballers, like always, I am sending you all of my good vibes, all of my good energies. Make sure to go out there, be safe today, do something kind for someone if you can. And with that being said, today in sports betting is out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.